Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode 90, and this week we bring back our good friends and presenting sponsors, Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino, to discuss their pandemic-shortened 2020 season. What started out as quite the blow to their business and livelihood suddenly opened up a new opportunity when Rihanna got the call to ride with Travis in the number 199 Subaru. That and more stories at the virtual rally pub we call The Rallycast. I'm your host, Mike Shaw, and I'm flying solo on this one. Although I'm recording this bit on the weekend, we recorded the show last week on December 7th. That means I didn't get a chance to chat with Gelsaminos about the uh, new ARA rules that were just announced. However, we do plan on having some future short segments where we can talk to them about current events. We figured that might be a new uh, interesting thing to throw in the mix. Anyways, in this episode, uh, we get to learn some interesting things about how American rally rules are inherently more sportsmanlike than other places in the world but also how those rules were used to an advantage by Alex and Ken in their early years in the Fiesta. We also chat about the crazy contraption Super Motorsports USA came up with for, for Rihanna to wipe the windscreen in Travis's car while traveling at a high speed. And we even chat a bit about the WRC and their past experiences at the Monza Rally Show, which uh, ended up being the final round of the WRC this season. So anyways, without further ado, it's Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino right after this short break. Five right short over crest into second small crest 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rihanna Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, Advanced Rally Training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. Normally we do a beverage roll call at this time, and I'm not going to do my traditional uh, sound of an opening a beer because it's actually a little chilly today. So believe it or not, I'm drinking tea. So uh, non-alcoholic with this uh, episode. But I have with us our guests, Rihanna Gelsomino and Alex Gelsomino. The two of you, how are you doing this evening? Great, thank you. We're sitting by the fire talking away to you. <laughs> Hi, how are you? <laughs> are you enjoying something warm to drink as well or no? Uh, I'm having a glass of milk. <laughs> All right. At least like cookies to go with it or something? Yeah, the, the yeah I just made cookies. There <laughs> we go. There we go. Now it's proper. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to talk about the 2020 season with you two because um, not only was this probably the most challenging year in many respects uh, it was a very diverse year uh, it, you two seem to have been able to do so many different things with so many different teams from the very top to the, some of the folks lower down and i i just love hearing about those different experiences so you know i was just kind of recap i mean you two are still pretty busy for what was a uh, a shortened year for many yeah so we both actually did 11 events each this year which is quite remarkable with everything with COVID. So I worked with um, seven drivers, six of them I rallied with, and one of them was a test, which was Brandon Samanak. And I'm pretty sure Alex will tell you, but I'm pretty sure he worked with five drivers for those 11 rallies. So we we're both lucky to still get 11 rallies this year, considering everything that's been going on. So it's ended up still being a really good year for us that obviously got busy around June. Yeah, so it's it's been... Uh... Like you mentioned before, 
very bizarre year. Obviously, we, we are experiencing something that is historic this year. And uh, uh, so, I mean, it, it's, been, it's been quite strange. And uh, last time we spoke, the three of us, actually, I think I was just back from WRC Mexico, and we were, we were getting the bad news of what was happening in the world, you know, right mm-hmm. hours before. So, uh, and then things went quiet for several months, and then things just out of the blue picked up again you know i guess it's the nature of rallying and and the fact that uh, we i guess we're lucky we're not com- we're not doing our sports in stadiums you know confined and things like that rallying is a, such an outdoor sport that was one of the sports in the u.s that was able to start again from what uh, june i guess rihanna did the rally in june in michigan and then from there on it started to get busier and busier i mean it's still a crazy year but uh, we've been lucky as rally people you know i guess that's one of the things that you know you know we we had to adapt we we had to figure out how are we going to run these events um if we're going to run them and that was kind of that big gap of time but you know at the same time not only just doing rallies you guys have your own business right now uh, doing the oz rally pro and that had to all go on hold as well uh, that that must have been pretty scary for you two to suddenly realize what was happening and it just just all comes to a grinding halt for a little bit because it's your livelihood yeah for two people like us who virtually live on a plane and and travel all over the world rallying and like you say with our business with Oz Rally Pro as well like everything come to a grounding halt we couldn't do any form of work as far as you know, I'm also a qualified hairdresser. I couldn't do that. I'm a qualified teacher. The schools were shut. So in my mind, I always thought I had myself so prepared that, you know, if I'm not rallying, oh, well, I'm a hairdresser or I'm a teacher. I've got all these backup plans. Whereas my backup plans actually went out the door when COVID happened because hairdressers got shut down, schools got shut down, there was no rallies. So all of a sudden, Alex and I went into, well, what can we do to still, you know, um, keep our business running? So we started doing some online training with some people, you know, just to via Skype, like what we're doing here, um, just to keep ourselves busy. But also I think it was something like 10 weeks that I personally didn't go on a plane because we got back from um, Mexico. And then my first rally, it was either the end of May, start of June with Mike Hurst, which was um, – my first rally of the season actually like Alex had done Mexico but I hadn't hadn't done any rallies other than the testing I'd done with Subaru with Brandon Samanak so to start Oz Rally Pro off with um, some online training was something that we did for a while but obviously we've gone back to our normal format of of training people and and people coming here to our house and stuff um, which we get more benefit out of and so do they but yeah it was it was really scary times for us because we honestly didn't know how long this was going to go for and was it going to be our whole season that that we mm-hmm. had come to a standstill and you're both planning on doing 100 acre wood just before that one shut down huh yeah so i was we had our flights booked and everything and we're meant to be getting on a plane like a few days later and obviously when we were in mexico we got the notification that it had been cancelled so um you know cancelled flights whatever got home and and that was it there was no 100 acre wood so we get the season kind of restarted again, thankfully. And uh, yeah, it was in June. You end up uh, being able to do the Central UP rally with Mike Hurst. And Mike's a character. <laughs> what was it like doing a rally in the old Ford Capri? Because that, 
that car is just killer. I, I, I love classics. Yeah, it was really exciting when we got the message from Mike um, asking if one of us could co-drive for him. And there was a bit of an argument going on in the Gelsomino household, to be honest, because we'd both been home for so long and we, we get a message from Mike asking if either of us would be available for that rally. And I was like, Alex, you've already done a rally this year. I haven't. So I won that one. So that was a good deal for me. So it was a really great experience. I've known Mike for a long time, obviously, because of his role he's had in rallying in America. Um, but, you know, that rally was no recce. So it was Jemba provided notes and you had no recce with it. And it, it poured rain. So um, Mike didn't get the experience out of it, which he, which he hoped, because we really wanted to be able to have a great time in the dry in his car, but unfortunately it become very wet and, and it was tough conditions. But in all honesty, I had a great time. Mike is a lovely person. His wife was there helping as well. So it was a really great experience. And, and I was just so happy to be back out rallying, to be honest. And then of course the next one, you both get to get back at it where, uh, you know, the, American Rally Association kicks things off again, starting with the Southern Ohio Forest Rally. And uh, you were with Joseph Burke. And uh, Alex, you got reunited with Ken Block again. Um, the car uh, rebuilt and uh, ready to go for um, Southern Ohio. Yeah, obviously, when, when the year started, like every year, Ken had you know, decided on some defined plans uh, of events to do, which then ended up changing completely. You know, We ended up doing some events that weren't planning to do it, uh, and events that we were relying, uh, we were planning to do, that were exciting events, like we were planning to do WRC New Zealand, you know, in a Fiesta R5, uh, we weren't, that, that was canceled. So, um, but there was always, uh, obviously, Ken with his sponsors had a commitment with the sponsors, so it was important uh, for his business, for his team, himself, his sponsors, and the all the people that uh, rotate around um, him and his and his team to to get started. You know, there is a lot of people that you know rely on that. There is a lot of jobs involved with that team. So it was good that we got to start and was able. Ken was able to have a, a program of several events for the year. Or so and and obviously ended up a crazy year, but ended up being a good year uh, sitting next to Ken. Aside from uh, uh, from WRC Mexico, where we retired early due to a, uh, an engine failure. Then the following events have all been either uh, wins or, or um, you know, the second place at Southern Ohio, just like you mentioned. So Ken and I have had a good, strong year. Like you mentioned before, I worked with other drivers as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, things, things started to pick up again. Ohio was the first event. Then I was happy to work with some of our students uh, at some regional events and, and the national events like Ojibwe and so on and so on. So, look, we, we, we consider ourselves very lucky and, and everyone else that, that works around the rallying business. You know, there is a lot of people that make their living out of a uh, team, you know, uh, co-drivers and, and, and people in the business and, and, you know, parts providers and all sort of things. So we've been lucky this year. We sort of like dodged the bullet and now we'll see how next year looks like. Well, what was it like uh, doing those Southern Ohio roads that, uh, you know, got a lot of folks sick um, with the, uh, it's something I think you're a big advocate of, is it was a one-day event, went long into the night, into the early morning, really. Um, but, you know, like I said, it was, just, it was just one single day 
just kind of stretching it all through that instead of uh, a multi-day event um, when it comes to a national rally. Um, you seem to seem to like that format. Yeah, look, Southern Ohio Forest Rally was a, a big challenge, although it was only one, uh, it was only two stages repeated several times. But like you said, you throw in uh, the factor of racing most of the stages at night. Uh, the fact that there were really challenging stages that involved, you know, technical fast sections, different surfaces like tarmac and gravel. So that was one tough event, but that's how we like, that's how we like rallies, you know, and, and luckily here in North America, all events, there is no easy events, you know, all events in North America are always challenging and that's why we enjoy competing here. Uh, Southern Ohio was a, was a great event. I had a great time and uh, uh, the, the organizer was smart because uh, uh, they allowed uh, to the competitors to, to, to do, um, you know, open recce. It was a good idea because competitors have been out of the car for months. So mm -hmm. uh, to to give that freedom to competitors and give them their time and flexibility to write the notes uh, without the pressure of following a, a particular recce schedule was a clever idea. Yes, it was a challenging event with challenging stages, but I don't remember anyone going off the road. And I think that was thank thankfully to the organizer that was clever to think about the open recce. Um, I obviously was there with Joseph Burke, right. who I'd never worked with before. Um, and I just wanted to mention how I actually really liked the fact that Ohio allowed recce. Um, it was spread over two days, if that makes sense. So we were able to do recce on one day and then in the morning the next day and then start in the afternoon. So when Alex was mentioning the open recce, like someone like Joseph and I, who'd never worked together before, we did five passes on the stages. So we did three passes on the first day and then two passes on the next day. And I just think that um, that's something really important to mention that I really think the whole idea of open recce is a great thing when we're moving away from Jember and writing our own notes that, you know, Joseph hadn't really written notes much before on his own other than using Jember. And he did a great job, but that was because we were able to do so many passes and then obviously watch it on video and then we checked it again just before we started the rally so i i just wanted to mention well done to ohio for getting back out there getting rally going again and and letting us do that open recce because i really think it was a huge benefit to people that you know weren't used to writing their own notes so sorry i just wanted to touch on that no actually that, that brings up a really good point um and, and i've also heard kind of a a contrasting opinion of well just doing two pass recce and, and limiting it to only two paths is yet a different challenge for, uh, you know, I guess some of the drivers higher up, they, you know, gives them, if they've never been to that event, maybe some locals can actually challenge some of the top guys then because uh, it means they didn't get as many passes and maybe aren't as familiar with the roads or things like that. So it's a different way to look at it. But I, but I agree with you that especially for someone first time working with a driver, first time doing their own notes, the more passes you can get, probably the better. Yeah. Yeah. For safety and everything. Like we obviously train a lot of people and we see the standards they're at with notes and we know a lot of people don't record their recce and have it on video to check things. So if you're talking about two pass recce and, and there's still people that aren't recording their recce, they're not checking their videos and they make a mistake with something because it really in two passes, if you're not videoing and checking videos, you can easily make mistakes. And, and, and I think that, this year, realistically, there hasn't been a, a huge amount of crashes in comparison to other years. 
And I honestly think it's because the events have allowed that open recce. And, and I think that some people have maybe done more part. Sometimes people only get one pass recce because if it's two pass recce and it's a tight schedule, they just don't get through it. You know, mm -hmm. so if there's the open recce and there's more time allowed, what we're finding is some of these people that are really slow at writing notes and, and really aren't used to it. If you do one pass recce, it's very dangerous, especially if you don't record you know, the stages. So to think that maybe they might get two passes in throughout the day, you know, someone else might get three, good luck to them. But but at least two passes in my mind is so much safer than them only getting one pass and, and making mistakes and things like that. So well done to the organisers for that. I actually would like to see that continue, especially if we're still moving away from Jemba. Um, some people may say it's a benefit to the bigger teams. I honestly don't think it's it's any benefit to anyone higher than anyone else. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about how fast people are writing their notes. And look, we've just been training a young 18-year-old kid that would write notes quicker than most of the top guys because he's very good at it. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it really matters. It's it's more about um, going there, going there prepared and, and making sure you do everything right and then taking advantage of that open recce. You know, I, you know I've said it on this show probably 20 times, you know, and, and, and I've learned a lot from you too and, and from others that are, you know, experienced co-drivers. And that's, it, it seems like every team I've talked to that they say that, they, that it's their first time they've ever done notes and they're at an event and their intimidate is all held that first time. Then the ne very next round, I see that person out there like doing my own notes is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So I, I think it's, uh, there's a nervousness that goes in with that, I'm sure. Um, you know, uh, trying to know what the right note is for you, right? Until you've done it a couple times, probably. Um, honing that skill takes a little bit. But, um, I mean, that's true when you're interpreting Jemba anyway. And so might as well make what works best for you um, than relying, I guess, on, on a third-party system and, and adjusting it adjusting your brain to that want to make the notes meet your brain right yeah yeah and look mike we we are at an interesting time of rallying in north america and look canada is few years ahead of us in this particular subject but it seems to me and the pandemic may have contributed to to this whole thing that organizers are trying Think, are trying to slim down on everything a little bit. There is mm -hmm. unfortunately less uh, marshals available uh, because obviously not many people can travel to events right now. So uh, organizers are sort of consolidating the roads and running them multiple times so they can use less marshals. Um, and maybe there, there has been a factor on their side, a budget factor that has decided to uh, you know what, let's not uh, uh, provide the organizer notes anymore so we can save that on the budget of the event and let's give the competitors uh, open recce so the whole pace, nothing is on their shoulders. We organizers don't have to provide and pay for it anymore. So we are transitioning into that mentality a little bit, uh, which is... Uh, which is a which is a, a bit of a critical time, you know what I mean? Because you, mm -hmm. like you said a moment ago, you don't want to put the stress into the competitors, and are and they are competitors that are inexperienced because they're experiencing the, the writing their own notes for the first time, 
this year or, or late last year or early next year and all that. So you don't want to put that stress and so they can do a better job. They can, they can, uh, they can practice more and they can uh, make better and more precise notes, which is, uh, is keeping them safer, is keeping their body shells in one piece. So uh, what, what, um, what Ojibwe has done, what Colorado has done, what Ohio has done, and uh, I'm probably missing one or two other events here in North America that are given that freedom of the open recce is helping actually the competitors in our opinion. You know, I, I think Southern Ohio, uh, you know, sticking with that for a second has, um, they, they were the first one to, basically on what you were saying is that with the things reopening after the shutdown and having to adapt because of, you know, what's going on with the pandemic, they changed a lot of things, including this uh, signing in, just using a QR code, doing all these things that actually were tools that were available before, but suddenly were forced to adapt to it as events. And I think it's been a net positive for everybody for like registration and for a lot of the things that we're doing in rallying right now. I think we've kind of made like a generational leap forward, kind of thanks to the pandemic of all things. Yeah, like the QR code is something that I think is really great and I hope we keep using that. The online notice board has been a huge step forward. It's obviously something Alex and I have used a lot in the WRC and many other national championships have been using online notice board. To be honest, the way America has done it for years with the board that you have to go up to and, you know, handwritten notes and all these sort of things was very old school. So to move forward to the online notice board has been a huge progression in our minds. So we actually think there's been many great things that have come out of this that need to stay and and they've actually progressed our sport here in America, which like you're sort of mentioning at the end of the day, sometimes we can draw, you know, some positives out of what's going on in the world right now because it has meant that we've had to rethink some things and it's actually made them better. So, <laughs> you know, um, from our perspective, we're really excited about things like QR codes, online notice boards, open recce, you know, Alex and I, time cards that, you know, at the end of the day, the time cards, when we've been racing in Australia and New Zealand, they use Rally Safe. We, you know, New Zealand for quite a few years now, they'll give you time cards, but they're actually not used. You're using Rally Safe. You know, mm -hmm. the time card is just your document to keep track of your time and know when you're meant to be checking in. And, and that's what we've had to do this year. Um, but, you know, when you look at somewhere like New Zealand and, and many Australian events who have been using Rally Safe for many years, They've been a step forward in every, you know, in front of everyone mm -hmm. else because Rally Safe has allowed them to already be doing this. So, you know, there's many things that have happened this year that that have actually been really good for progressing the sport here. And, you know, when we talk about the open recce, there's a lot of people who are like, no, recce has to be too fast. Look, I fully agree. Alex and I both come from a background of too fast recce and and things like that. But my opinion is, you know, we train a lot of people. We know people's level in notes and stuff. So. While people are learning, let's keep it open recce. And then as we progress forward in a couple of years when people are used to writing their own notes and things like that, yeah, we go back to normal two-pass recce like it is in WRC and, and, and most national championships all over the world. But let's keep moving forward. Let's not go backwards. You know, we've, we've started moving forward even further than we usually have here. So, so let's keep progressing in the right direction. So one thing I wanted to talk about was you know, the, some new events that actually came around as well. And uh, Rhiannon and actually Alex, you, you actually got to do some of these over on the East Coast as well. 
is some of these new uh, tarmac events that are showing up in Kentucky and in Tennessee. Um, new rallies. I mean, it, granted, there are NASA events. They're not part of ARA. But how exciting is it to see, even during a pandemic of all things, new events start to pop up? And at that, tarmac rallies, which are not something the U.S. has been known for for a long time other than ESPR six years ago or whatever it was when they were still doing tarmac on that one and uh, then they switched to gravel. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a, a positive note to have those few new events coming on the on the NASA calendar, which are also uh, tarmac, which is something that, like you said, we haven't experienced much. I, I remember my last tarmac event in in the U.S. was Rally New York 10 years ago. I did it for a couple of years, really enjoyed it, but I don't think I, there may have been other events. I just didn't, didn't compete in them. Um, it's it's uh, it's been a, a pleasant thing to to do to, to go to those events and especially like I I didn't do the one in Tennessee unfortunately I had a clash I think I was traveling to Italy for Rally Legend uh, but I did the two events in uh, in uh, Kentucky uh, uh, with one of our students with Nathan Orul and uh, um, uh, driving one of Hooper's Lexuses. Um, and uh, it was it was a, a great time, you know, uh, beautiful roads, and the organizer worked hard. Obviously, that was the first time for them, so it, it's always a work in progress. But I, I think that you see things like this. I, I've been thinking um, a lot about this. You, you see events, new events, popping up like this uh, during hard times, like the current times of the pandemic, the last summer, and everything. Uh, and you sometimes wonder how and, and why. And, and we complain sometimes that the sport of rallying in North America is not big enough. But I guess this year it was a positive thing that maybe the sport of rallying is not too big because rallying sort of like flew under the radar. You know, there was a lot of events being canceled in Europe in countries where rallying is big, you know, France has had very little rallying, you know, Spain, Italy was very late restarting, UK has had no rallying at all because the rallies there are so popular and the government keeps an eye on those activities. But here in North America, in the US, uh, Canada, rallies, they just fly under the radar. So it's been positive for us competitors, for the organizers, you know, for sponsors and everything that that's the case because it means the rallies have happened and like you mentioned before with the tarmac events with the nasa events new rallies have happened so that that's the positive of a negative situation i guess yeah and what do you think about uh, going out and doing some of these uh new tarmac events uh there rhiannon yeah look for me it was great because i obviously was with dave wallingford for three events in his r5 which is an absolutely beautiful car and and on those stages, it just handled them so amazingly. So, you know, Dave and I won two of the rallies and come second in the other one. And we actually had a really great time. This, we had, The stages were really technical and they, they were challenging. And, you know, the first one was a, a stage that we ran in and out, but it didn't bother any of us that you were virtually doing the same road in and out because it was just such a beautiful piece of road. And then the next rally they ran, we had another stage implemented into it, which was also a great stage. It had a lot of moss covering over it. So being first on the road, that was an interesting experience for Dave and I. But, you know, it was another great event and, and we won that one. And then obviously the last one 
we went to Tennessee and, and same sort of situation, one stage in and back and um, beautiful piece of road. Um, the organiser did a great job and, and we won that one as well. So those three events for me, I, I love tarmac, so does Alex. We've done quite a few tarmac rallies throughout our career, but to actually get to do tarmac in America was a new experience for me. I hadn't done any tarmac in America before. So to think that I got that call up from Dave, um, obviously because his regular co-driver couldn't get into the a country, it meant that I got to do some great events with him and and get to, um, we, he was actually one of our students from a couple of years ago. To, so to work with him and see his note progression and, and you know, he's just genuinely a really nice guy. So I it was a great experience. Did you test him on anything? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually really good just to see he's trained with a lot of people now, you know. So yeah. um, from some guys in the UK and, and Alex and I. So, you know, Dave has put a lot of um, time and effort into his rallying. Obviously, the accident he had in Mexico was really, really unfortunate because that put him behind, you know, he probably was out of the car a year, I guess, with all these injuries and to see him back doing what he loves, like Dave just loves rally, just like we all do. And to see him back out there and having a great time and, and you know, in his R5 winning rallies, these NASA events were, were really a great opportunity for us to, you know, go and experience something different here in America and just have a really good time. Well, I hope we uh, see more of those tarmac things, and uh, maybe that that'll be a trend that that grows because we've got we've got amazing roads <laughs> in all these different places, and they're all just so different as we've kind of said. And um, let me tell you, sometimes I go out on a country road that's just a tarmac road, and you're like, man, this would be amazing stage, right? And uh, too often we're just not using the tarmac stuff, and that's why I found it so interesting. Is uh, you know, it's usually we just find these you know uh, logging roads or whatever it is for uh, for the gravel stuff, but man. There's some good pieces of tarmac out there, and uh, I hope we see more of it for sure. Yeah, one yeah. and one thing we noticed from going at those three NASA events, two for me, is that they have down there a huge support from the locals and from the local government. So things are when when that's the case, things always look positive for the future. So I know they have uh, some big plans for uh, next year as well. So it's a, it's a great little side championship uh, that is complements the ARA National Championship very well. And when you think about it, like Ohio being a mixed surface event with yeah. tarmac and gravel, like that was something new as well. And and I thought it was awesome, like to to go there and and you know, yeah, it was only two stages, but they were quite long stages, you know. And and we got to do them three times. And with the mixed surface, I just thought it was a great challenge. And Alex and I, who who have done those sort of things before, to have that here in America, we just we just loved it. Well, one one that wasn't a very mixed surface, but is I, I've heard nothing but really good things about was Colorado. Um, it, many people saying that they would like that to be a uh, national event because the way the roads are just so spectacularly technical. I, it, it, was it just th that good of an experience for you guys who've experienced so many different rallies out there that, that that's one, if they can find the infrastructure, a way to support bigger teams coming out there? Yeah, Colorado has got some some really good plans for the future, and 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 uh, there is a team of people there run, you know, by Joseph and Samantha Carelli, the the two chair people, husband and wife. That uh, these are there is a smart team of people there, so they don't want to rush into perhaps becoming a national and uh, 
they want to do things right, they want to learn as they go. And actually, Joseph and Samantha came to train with us as driver and co-driver two, two weeks, I believe, after the event. So it was great for us to go there and experience that event. And, and personally, for me, that is a, a beautiful part of the country. I really enjoy uh, the high deserts of Colorado, you know, and the, and the stages were beautiful. They were challenging. It, it was a regional or super regional, whatever it was. But to me, it felt more like a national event. You had the same challenges that you find at events like uh, the three days of Oregon Trail or, or events like Olympus Rally or, or the full formats when we have them in STPR, New England, Ohio. So it's just, just a very complete event. Uh, again, the locals were very, very receptive of the event and that the organizing team did a fantastic job. We had a great time. I was competing there with Julian Sabo and uh, ODD 40SR1 and we had a good result. And uh, But the, the challenge of the event to me was one of the highlights. Everybody had a grin on their faces at the end of that rally. And Rhiannon, you're with uh, uh, Eliza. She's a stunt woman, isn't she? Yep, she sure is. She's a stunt woman in Hollywood. So Alex has done quite a few rallies with Eliza. She trained with us back in 2017 from memory. And then we've done a few Californian rallies with her. And and then I also did Oregon a couple of years. Alex has done probably six or seven, eight, yeah. maybe nine rallies with her <laughs> a lot. Um, and this was, you know, my second rally with her. Um, and I really enjoyed Colorado for someone like Eliza. From memory, it was seven stages but we had two days of recce. So for people who didn't want to turn up um, two days earlier, they could just do one day of recce, no problem. You know, for Eliza and I, we did um, both days, but um, with her, you know, being still quite new to the whole note writing idea, we did three passes on all the stages. We watched them on video, you know, usual routine. And, and unfortunately we had some mechanical issues, but when the, you know, all was going well. She had a great time. Her notes are really good. And just like what we were talking about before, for someone who doesn't have a huge amount of experience writing notes, being able to do three passes and watch them on video as well really meant that she was confident. If I was calling it was a flat, you know, she wasn't lifting versus, you know, when you're not exactly sure because you haven't been able to check it perfectly. Oh, Rhiannon's calling it flat, but do I trust this? So, you know, Eliza's always great to work with. She has no fear, even though she's <laughs> an older, you know, lady who started rallying um, at a later age. But she's just a pleasure to work with. She's a, a great person. And, and I did two events with her in Colorado. Like Alex said, was a real joy. Samantha and Joseph have done a great job of this event. And, and like Alex mentioned, I think there was a bit of a push for them to go national. But you know, they realize that, hey, we just want to get a few more things straightened out before we take that leap of being a national rally because they're both extremely clever people and they just want to make sure that they do it at the right time for them. So good on them for holding off and saying, no, we want to stick to, I think it's super regional um, next year. Um, and then maybe the focus of in 2022 moving to a national event, which those, those, well, those uh, roads are extremely good so for a national event it, uh, people will just love it i know i want to go see it sometime it it, it just sounded just spectacular um uh, so speaking of national stuff um rhiannon where were you when you got the call or text <laughs> the call or text <laughs> we all want to hear this story come on well it's actually quite funny because um obviously travis um 
had a little bit of an issue with his co-driver not being able to get into the country with the COVID situation. So, And um, we all love Robbie, by the way. He's been on the show. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks before Ohio, we actually got a long text from Travis saying Alex and I, you know, that he needed one of us in the car virtually. And, you know, um, it wasn't, a, we weren't available. I was with Joseph and Alex was with Ken. And, you know, so then we were like, we're not available. So then the next one was, well, who can I put in the car with me sort of thing? And and it was one of those hard situations because we obviously know the speed of those cars and we know um, how much effort it takes to be in one of those cars. And we looked through our list of, you know, people that are sort of elite that we've trained and, and most people were either booked or not available. So, you know, um, Chrissy was called back up for Ohio, um, you know, to get back in the car with Travis. And obviously they had the fire, which was devastating for the team. Luckily, no one was hurt or anything like that. And then on the the day after, or the Monday, um, that's when Travis called me and he's like, okay, I'm not waiting this time. Um, are you available for a Jeep? So he was clever and didn't wait too long because obviously, as you know, Alex and I get booked very quickly for events. So um, it was one of those things that, we both decided just to commit for one rally to start off with because we'd never worked together before. We didn't know, you know, how everything would gel in the car. We hadn't done any testing. When I tested with Subaru, I'd only sat in with Brandon for those two days. I hadn't got in with Travis at all. So it was really important for us to go to Ojibwe, test before the rally, um, you know, see how we worked together and, and go from there. And obviously everything was great um, before the rally. We did a little bit of recce practice, which was really good for us both. I gave Travis some ideas with things with his notes. Um, then we did a 60-mile test, and everything worked out really well there. Um, one thing Travis was quite concerned about was a female voice. Um, sometimes he had struggled um, with um, the tone and stuff of the female voice, and he'd been obviously working with Robbie um, with that stronger male voice for a couple of years. So that was one concern, but obviously... All, all voices and tones are different. Um, my Australian accent and my tone is obviously different to other female voices you might hear. So there was no issues with any of that at the test. So, you know, we had um, done a lot of research and work before Ojibwe. I put Travis to work, which he'd never done before. So we, a lot of homework was done with, um, you know, the stages and, and we had a focus and we went out in that first stage and we won it by, it was either 21 or 22 seconds, I can't remember, but that set us up for the win for the rally. And, and it was purely because we, we worked really hard, we did our homework, and we, and we had a goal that we set ourselves before that rally, and that was to win. And at that stage, we obviously still had the goal of trying to win the championship for Subaru, but mm -hmm. um, you know, with the fire with Travis and Barry doing snowdrift and Subaru not doing snowdrift, that it was obviously You're behind the eight ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, exactly. I did like how Travis though, full on admitted, you know, uh, on one of his videos or whatever, like I've never prepared so hard in my life. <laughs> yeah. I really put him to work. Like I quickly realized that there was so many things that he wasn't doing that he could be doing. Um, from my experience, especially in the WRC and knowing, you know, even with my brother, we've always worked at a level for years now where you do your videos and you do your homework and, Alex and I obviously train that to everyone that comes to Oz Rally Pro. And, and so, you know, I just said from day go, okay, you know, let, we need to do all these things. There's a few things in the pace notes that I suggested to him, which we now use. Um, just, just 
new ideas, fresh ideas, you know, a new focus for him. And look, at the end of the day, you know, Travis is in a position where he needs to be winning rallies this year. David's not there anymore. Brandon's new to the team. So there's quite a lot of pressure that he hasn't had before. He's not just turning up to two rallies a year and, and competing, you know, and, and it's a bit of fun. It's now really important that he does do that work. He watches the onboards. He does even, you know, you finish the rally, we get home, I scan the notes. He watches the onboards from the event. He he makes changes to those. In between the stages, we're watching onboards. Like, we're working harder than, you know, he's ever worked before, and, and it's really important. Unfortunately, we didn't get the results we hoped for at the next two rallies, but at the end of the day, you know, the work continues, and, and you know, our goal and focus and aim is just to make sure that we're always working as hard as we can be and leaving no stone unturned, and, and if Barry and Brandon beat you, well, at least you know you put your best foot forward versus, oh, I could have done this work and could have done that work and I should have done this. Yeah, the the competition, I think, at that top level, I mean, yeah, David was just it, just so good, uh, you know, so consistent, and he knew where to push, where not, and had so many experience on all these different, you know, stages and events yeah, it, it was hard <laughs> to beat him, of course. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of uh, this kind of reset that we've had, I guess, with Subaru and, and of course, Barry continuing to improve and, and learning from David as well and, and from others. Um, he's really come up through the ranks, and it is it is close at the top right now. Um, but, I, but I think what really got everybody's attention, at least it did for me, was Brandon Semenuk on that second stage at Show Me? Yeah, the guard stage was incredible. His time through there was, was yeah, it was a shock to um, to Barry and Travis. That's for sure. You know, that's a really tough stage, and and it's from memory it was thirteen miles long or something like that. And and at the end of the day, from from what I can remember, Brandon had never done a hundred acre wood before. So nope. He'd obviously, Brandon's very good at doing his homework. He's very good at video research. The first two rallies that we did at Show Me were rally. I was uh, sorry. The first two stages were stages that had run before. Um, so you know, if you go to YouTube, there was videos of, of of people like Higgins and things like there. So so Brandon definitely did his homework. Um, I know that he watched that stage many times before the rally, and and good luck to him because. Obviously, the result was evident when when he set that time through there. So, you know, the thing is, if you're willing to, you know, put in the hours and the homework and and the, what he is doing, it's obviously going to pay off. Even if you haven't been to the events, like if we look at WRC, for example, it's one thing Alex and I've always said. Somewhere like Finland, you know, it used to be the Finnish drivers that used to dominate there, but all of a sudden you had people like Thierry Neuville turning up there and, and flying through those stages, and people would be like, how is this possible? Well, technology now allows us to do research and study before we get to, to events. So if stages have run before, you know, people are crazy not to do the homework and find them on YouTube or find onboards that they can of those stages and do the research before you get there. You know, Travis and Barry had obviously done that stage before. Travis hadn't done it since, I think, 20... 14 or 15 or something he hadn't done 100 acre wood for quite a few years um but obviously there was still homework that could be done because there was on boards that could be watched and and brandon utilized it and like you say that stage time he did through there was very very good well definitely one to watch um 
then I, I want to turn to a little more international at the Rally Legends show, show in uh, San Marino, Alex. Um, those roads over there, that background, the scenery, and that onboard, that helmet cam that we got to have of uh, of Ken on that stage. Uh, wow. Those are some fantastic roads out there. And, of course, you get to kind of go back home. Yeah, yeah. So I get, I get to see friends and family. And not, not as much as last year. Last year I had a lot of people coming to the event and coming to see me. This year with the, with the pandemic, it wasn't as many. But we went back to Legend this year. We won there last year. And obviously we had to go and, and do well this year. You know, We had to go and win again. And we just did just that. And they're on board that you saw on YouTube. is actually the stage that... We had a, a tough battle with the locals, you know, going back to what we were talking about before the local drivers, you know, they're, they're short stages. I think the longest stages is seven kilometers or, or 10 kilometers, you know. So those local guys with good cars, they want to beat, of course, they want to beat Ken, you know, the guy that is famous and he's got the sponsors and all that. And then you have Ken, they're like, Alex, we can't let the local drivers beating us. So there is... There is this event that is usually an event where people go and have fun, but then you have those three, four guys at the top fighting tooth and nail. Uh, and I'll tell you, I mean, you finish a stage and you're flat out and the difference in seven kilometers is half a second. You know you, you're in for a battle. So uh, it, it's, a, it's to me, is a bit of a stressful event just because it's, it's my home event and there is people pulling me left, right, and center. And the... I need to, because I speak the language, I need to help a little bit with the uh, media side of things and Ken always has a lot of interviews there. So I'm not just focusing on doing my job as a recce, co-driver, call the notes and everything. There is a lot more involved. So every every year when Legend, Legend is over, I'm relieved, especially the last two years that has been a, that has been a win. Uh, uh, so it's a, it's, it's a great event and something that is quite unique in the world. You see a, a, a level of cars and, a, and a, a type of cars that you used to see in the 70s and 80s. But also you see people that there are former world champions. You know, this year, Ari Vatan and Miki Biasion, you know, the, oh, wow. so many, so many that just get invited there. And because it's such a pleasant country to be, San Marino, um, and stages to, to, to run and logistic-wise works very well because... At the end of the day, Italy and San Marino are in the center of Europe. So to travel there for European drivers and teams doesn't take much, you know. So uh, it's always a, a huge event. And I recommend that even for people here in the U.S., if you, when things finalize, finally get better with the COVID and you want to go experience an event, uh, a good event and a great rally show in Europe, uh, you should go spectate there. And guess what? You could even compete there because Italy, there is so many cars available for rent and you know that uh, you, you can rent a two-wheel drive car and compete a rally legend and, and it wouldn't cost even that much so wow well that sounds exciting I, I, definitely a bucket list item i think uh, for some folks out there to to go and try and do something international like that so um then you did uh one other event with ken and uh you won that one too and uh a little bit different conditions, <laughs> not bright and sunny and, uh, you know, n nice warm tarmac. It was uh, <laughs> a little bit of a deluge you had to deal with. Yeah, it, it was, it, we went to Barbados, obviously. It was my first time there. Um, uh, Kenneth competed in Barbados prior, prior with, the, with the Rallycross Championships, but uh, we, uh, we had been invited by 
the organizer of, of Soul Rally Barbados uh, to compete there in May when the event was originally scheduled. It was a formal invite, you know, there was support from the event and everything. And and we were meant to go there with the COSI, right? Um, the event then was postponed only two weeks after, a couple of weeks after Rally Legend. So we realized uh, uh, that we couldn't get the COSI in time from Italy. So we, we had a candidate deal with M Sport earlier in the year where, it, it, you know, they had agreed that it was going to do one event. With, with the Four Fiesta Rally 2, which is formerly known as R5. So the event was going to be WRC New Zealand, and we were all ready for that. Um, then the event got cancelled, but and then we said, well, why don't we do instead uh, Rally Barbados, because the COSI won't be there in time, and the, the M-Sport Fiesta will work just perfect. So that deal was struck with M-Sport. The car was brought to brand new car. It just been finished like a week before we did the rally. And um, wow. we did uh, we did an uh, Soul Rally Barbados. A fantastic atmosphere. I mean, they live and breathe motorsport in that. It's a very small island. It's tiny, right? I think it's like 40 miles wide by 32 miles high or something like that. But they have like two rally cross tracks and they have a a full-on comprehensive rally championship, so many good cars, more rally cars, newer, older, you know, and great two-wheel drive championship. So it was it was quite awesome to go there and experience this rally culture, uh, fight against, again, the local drivers, which are always the toughest drivers you can fight, fight against in war rally cars, you know, and so faster cars than ours and cars that, and stages that I've done so many times, but, when we saw the weather was going to be wet and sleepy, we, Ken and I, during the recce, we said to ourselves, well, maybe we have a chance. We have a chance that with a Rally 2 car, we, we like the Fiesta R5, we can beat the War Rally cars. And, and so it was, you know, wet and sleepy and rained for most of the event and uh, gave us uh, a bit of an equalizer. We were able to, to match and eventually beat those cars and local drivers. And it was a great win. It was a great win because every time you win a, an event internationally and uh, you win an event, you've been there only one time, the first time. So you don't have the knowledge of the roads. You don't have the notes from the previous year. It's always quite rewarding. So tell me about the Rally 2 car. So this is a brand new one. So I'm guessing this is the latest edition. Obviously, it started out as R5. But uh, is there something different about that car that you know of from the R5s before? Have they, have they changed quite a bit? Or is it more just kind of modernizing it? just with little incremental changes. Uh, in this particular case, it was the latest generation for Fiesta. So it's the Mark II for Fiesta R5. Uh, so it's, it's got a, it's quite improved compared to, let's say, the car that uh, I was with uh, uh, at Rally New York, uh, uh, which I was uh, with Ace Robbie in a Fiesta R5, which is an older generation. So, and, and I don't know if you recall earlier in the year and late last year, the, the Ford Fiesta uh, Rally 2 uh, slash R5 was struggling a little bit in WRC mm -hmm. compared to the, the Polo and compared to the, the Skoda, right? especially and everything. But uh, whatever work M Sport has done to improve the car during this big COVID break has really worked because uh, you have the, the factory driver in, in Rally 2 for M Sport, Adrian Formo, which was in, won in Canaria couple of weeks ago outright and then has done so well in other events and then we were given this car that was quite competitive right out of the box so it's great to see that this the, this fiesta was struggling late last year earlier 
this year, but uh, uh, whatever the work they did uh, uh, improved the car, which is great to see because at the end of the day, M Sport relies M Sport just like Skoda Motorsport and Volkswagen Motorsport and and, and Citroen. They rely on selling this product. They spend millions of dollars in developing it, and they rely on selling them. So I was a bit bummed when first the Fiesta Rally 2 wasn't competitive, but whatever they've done now, the car is now the, the premier car in, in that class together, okay, with the Skoda. And, and now, unfortunately, we've heard that uh, Volkswagen is pulling the plug on their motorsport program, so the, the Polo R5 will uh, unfortunately fade away. That's right, and then we've got uh, we still have the Skodas in it and uh, Hyundai's all in with their um, Rally Two um, R5, whatever in their version, and then uh, Toyota's supposed to be making one as well, I believe. So, yeah, I think Hyundai just introduced. Uh, well, there were videos of the new um, i20 R uh, R2 Rally Two, which is got the new body style and everything, and looked really good on video as well. So it's, it's great to see these four or five manufacturers offering this product because uh, look at the end of the day yeah well, there are what quarter million three hundred thousand dollars rally cars but there is the level of those cars is so high and there is these manufacturers have invested millions of dollars developing those cars and uh, uh, they're, they're just fantastic well I mean and then coming back to you know the US and uh, our final round at the Olympus rally and there Barry McKenna won in his Skoda I was so excited that in the U.S. I got to see a Skoda, um, you know, R5. Um, I guess it's not the official newest one. That's the Rally 2, I guess. I don't think. Or maybe, No, it was. It is a Rally 2. That's right, because he just got it for Mexico. So it is a, the newer generation, I believe. But um, Yeah, yeah. And obviously, here the, the regulations are more open in the U.S., so you already see that the Barry's car already has got, like, a different wing and things like that. But that's great. That's great about U.S. regulations, you're not as strict. You don't have to follow FIA protocols and rules. So you have that little bit more freedom, which at the end of the day, I like it because it saves competitor money. You know, you don't have to follow the strict rules of FIA. All the homologation stuff, right? Um, yeah, so uh, that's right. So he did do a different engine map on it, I think. So it couldn't be registered as the RC2 Cup, as we call it. Um, it was full-on open class because of that, but it still was the you know the Skoda uh, Rally 2 car, other than, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, a, little bit, a couple of different bits on it, but other than that, pretty much the same. Yeah. And, and that makes me want to talk about Olympus, because we, we did our little review show on the last two episodes uh, talking about it. But, Rhiannon, I wanted to ask you about um, the invention of the spatula uh, squeegee. <laughs> Bachelor wiper, whatever we want to call it. Oh my goodness. It was crazy because, so obviously, um, at Show Me Rally, Travis and I had had the little accident into the tree where we got the double puncture on my side. Um, and it seemed like we fixed that at the rally and it seemed like everything was like sealed and fine and everything. But then we get to Olympus and it's obviously very very bad conditions with rain and and um snow in some stages as we know um and so I, we were having some serious issues with water coming in the car especially on my side like my notes were drenched my bag was so wet you know there was water just pouring in um 
and as we are all aware, if water gets in the car and we're hot and sweaty inside the car and we've also got wet and all those sort of things, what happens is the car will fog up. And, and like we have everything in that car that's needed. People are like, I can't believe that that car wouldn't have this and that and whatever. The car does have all those things. Um, the reality was the water coming into the car was the issue that so that even though the heated screen and the blowers and fans and everything they couldn't cope with you know the water that was coming into the car so Travis and I were having lots of problems um, with bog screen um, we got back into the service and I said to the guys I need you to make me something thinking that I would be leaving with like a broomstick with a rag on the end you know like <laughs> which is what's happened to me many other times um, and Travis and I were in the RV and we were studying our notes because the stages were repeated and and we come back out and the boys were like, how does this look? And here's this, you know, stick and it's got a spatula on it and it's got a proper wiper on the end of it. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible, guys. You know, I just couldn't believe that they'd come up with this awesome contraption for me that, you know, worked far better than anything I thought I could ever be given. So we're in the stage. It was dark. Um, you know, lots was going on and... Um, I'm trying to call the notes and make sure I don't fall off notes. And I knew that, you know, the screen had fogged and I knew I had to put my wiper to work. But at the same time, I, I didn't want to, you know, cause too many problems for Travis because he's trying to keep the car on the road. So, you know, up come, come this contraption um, and it worked wonders. It did the job, you know, we would have lost. So like we did lose time in there regardless because of what we were dealing with, but we would have lost so much more time because it, it happened pretty early in the stage, you know, and, and so it was something that like um, I had to keep calling notes and do the wiper and Travis had to keep his focus with me doing that at the same time. So to say that it was character building and a challenge, that's for sure. It's something that um, I hadn't had happen so bad in a rally before, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, the next morning, knowing the problem with the water coming in the car, the boys put some more blowers up on our screen and they did a really good job with that. And it meant that on the um, the final day of the rally, even though those other stages had been cancelled and we were just running Nawatsal three times, there was a lot, you know, we didn't have a problem with the fog in the screen and stuff like that because the boys had added some extra fans for us overnight and done, a, done some work on trying to seal my side of the car more and, and mean that we didn't have the same amount of water coming into the car. So, yeah, to say it was a challenge is definitely a, a good word, but um, it was also good for Travis and I to work together in those conditions and just, you know, um, do the best we could and, and just keep going and make sure we don't have an accident and, and just be there for that final day. Well, I can say that uh, uh, Cam Steely uh, bested you by uh, one flat uh, with getting three flats on a single stage instead of two a double puncture. So there you go. Um, oh my! <laughs> out there at Olympus. So uh, thankfully, it was uh, one that they were heading back to uh, to service afterwards. They had to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't know that. I mean, when yep. we did our double puncture, we had three and a half miles to go. I think it was. Um, and then it was a night stage, so we got to the end and we couldn't see anything, and both the tires were down and we couldn't get the jack under because that's the hard part is getting that jack <laughs> under there. Yeah, <laughs> when you're just on rims, there's no rubber left, you know. Um, so I got I found a really big rock and I got Travis to drive the front of the car up onto this rock because then I could get the jack in and 
Um, it was a challenge to say the least, it, it, what happened there as well. But then obviously the next stage um, was actually canceled, unfortunately, due to a Red Cross. So we're a little bit lucky at Show Me that, you know, we had that happen because, um, you know, the next stage then got canceled. So we were able to transit straight back to service and the boys could work on the car that night. But for Cam to get three, I can't even imagine because two <laughs> was stressful enough. <laughs> I think somebody lent them one so they get back to service. That's and right. and whatnot. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah. that, I th- that I think it happened pretty close to the end of the stage too, but right. still, um, <laughs> still a triple puncture. I mean, <laughs> but see, that Mark, takes talent. You gotta love uh, uh, ARA rules where you have the freedom <laughs> to let competitors help other competitors. Look, we love WFC, <laughs> we love international events, but I love ARA, which allows for that freedom. That's great. I guess I didn't realize that that wasn't. A thing like on a transit, but I guess that makes sense. That's true. I think I've seen that with WRC stuff where I know that spectator people aren't supposed to help or whatever. I didn't realize it wasn't competitor, couldn't help competitor, but. No, no, no. Very, very <laughs> yeah. So no toes, no nothing, huh? Yeah, like when I started racing here in America, my brother and I were just like, this is crazy. It's cheating. You shouldn't be able to help each other. Like, because we, we you know, America is the only place in the world where we know that you can help each other. It's just, wow. it's not allowed anywhere. You know, it's a big no-no and you get, you get huge penalties for it. So I still remember... Um, you know, I think we towed Refat back or something crazy in our little R2 and he was in a big Evo 10 and, and we were just laughing about it because we're just like, we can't believe that you can actually do this. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that's, I think that's something that helps build the camaraderie we've got, I think, in the sport here in the States, right? You know, um, where it's not just that ultra nothing but competition. It's It's about everybody helping each other so you can press on regardless and get to the end um yeah. i and i think it just helps that spirit so i hope we don't change that to be honest um i, I think it's a good thing i, I mean i think if my, my some of my favorite things i've seen is you know when you've got a competitor that a direct competitor you're in the same class you're competing against them and that person's helping out the person that could end up beating them by the end of the day yeah but they still help them out and I, it's just it's just something about our sport that I I cherish and I I hope we don't change. Well, in 2014, I think it was with Nick Roberts, we towed back Dylan Van Way, and Dylan Van Way was our number one competitor. We got to the end of the end of the year, and Dylan beat us by one point. In that's the- right. <laughs> um, and so I remember at the time me thinking, oh man, like he's our main competitor. He stopped on the side of the road. And we're towing him back, and we I knew how close the championship was. But at the same time, when you think about it, you can do the right thing like Nick and I did, or you can leave him on the side of the road, and someone else is going to tow him anyway. So sometimes you just have to be that that good person that goes, well, you know, let's just try and win it on the stages and, and not on the transit sections. And at the end of the day, Dylan beat us fair and square in the stages and beat us by one point. But, you know, it's something that when I'm – first started over here I was against but now I actually think it's a really cool concept that we have here in America and it's not about always you know the tactics and things that go on outside of the stages it's about winning the stages and being the best in the stage and then if you can help someone outside of the stages well that's great what do you think Alex no I agree I agree it's, it's just uh, it's one of the the, the cool things of uh, American rallying and, and some of those rules are also 
allowed in, in, Can in the Canadian Championship. So I'm all for it. You know, it's, uh, uh, it, it reflects uh, our attitude in, in the U.S. You know, we're go helping each other. You know, and 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 be positive and things like that. So, I actually, I have a funny story. I don't know if I ever told you when that when we started our partnership with Ford ten years ago in 2010, we were we were actually rallying a, a rally cross car. I don't know if you remember. Yes, that. I do. That rally HFHV thing or whatever it was. Oh, it was it was prior to that. It was one of the rally cross cars built and developed by Allsberg. And um, so we adapted the car for a uh, stage rally, but the space in the car was very limited. So it could only carry one spare tire. And there were some events where you have turnaround stages. And uh, you, if you have the option to put two fresh tires, you, you should. And I remember because we could only carry only one tire. I would go around uh, at, at, this, at the start at Park Expo. I would go around and strike deals with other competitors to carry an extra spare for us. So <laughs> I remember uh, I see you walking around with a fifty or hundred dollar bill. Hey, who wants help us? I offered a couple hundred dollars per event. I was allowed by my boss to do that, you know. So I remember uh, Travis Hanson. Remember Travis and Terry uh, mm -hmm. that allowed that uh, uh, that, that that made that that carry that spare tire for uh, for a few events and. Uh, uh, yeah, they made a few hundreds of dollars from that deal, and nice. then someone else did it. But uh, but it was funny that they were like, you know, Subaru's carrying spare tires for a Ford Fiesta rally car or rally cross car. So it's just a, <laughs> just a funny story that came came in my mind now, and then we were talking about this. All right, so so to kind of get close to finishing things up here, I wanted to talk a little bit of WRC chat because. Rhiannon, I know you specifically, and I don't know if you have, Alex. Have both of you done the uh, Monza Rally show before? Yeah, we, we've both done it. Um, okay. I believe it was in 2014. We were actually teammates with M4. So, yeah, I've done that. We've both done that event once. All right. And, and Rhiannon, you were with, uh, was it Kyle Busch? I, Kurt Busch. I was at Kurt Busch, the other Busch. I was Bush. with Kyle Busch, but the funny story is he had no passport. So... <laughs> <laughs> so my initial correspondence was with um, Rich from M Sport um, was that I was going to be with Kyle Bush, and then all of a sudden the emails changed to Kurt Bush, and I was like, "This is interesting." And then I, because their names were so similar, I thought that maybe he'd just mixed up what one he wrote. And then he said, "Oh no, it's changed. It's now the brother because uh, Kyle doesn't have a passport," which I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, so let, let's talk about the the, um, the event there. That normally the Monza Rally Show is just a, um, I mean, it's it's an event kind of like Legends, right? Isn't it? Uh, it's kind of this uh, exhibition kind of thing. I mean, obviously you're going for the win there, but what I've known of it was just the uh, the stuff that they'd use part of the you know Monza circuit for. When you were there, did they do it the same way that the stages were created for the WRC round? That was the final round this year. Well, very similar. Basically, the good way to describe Monza Rally, at least leg one and leg three that we've seen this last weekend, because leg two was run in the mountains, right? But the way, a good way to describe leg one and leg three of the Monza Rally is the same uh, way as day one of Oregon Trail Rally. You know what I mean? It uses a circuit, parts of a circuit, access roads and things like that so it's uh, is organized the same way so the stages are actually 
interesting in my opinion the only problem is in that part of the that part of the year uh, the part of the country in the, that time of the year always rains so you're always dealing with the same level of grief that you saw last weekend or during the rally but in all honesty when we did it we didn't do the gravel access roads that they did so the year we did it, it was more on the tarmac um you know they had a lot more like when when i think about what i saw the other day it would be a 13 kilometer stage and they wouldn't really repeat sections of the of the stage whereas when alex and i did it there was a 42 kilometer stage from memory and it was nine laps so you had to count oh. so whereas from what i could tell following um monza this past weekend and everything it always seemed like it was like a normal stage you weren't having scenarios where there was four cars passing each other on the track whereas when we did it you would be getting passed by cars just like you would in a normal circuit race so um obviously they changed it a lot for the wrc to make it more like um, a normal stage situation versus doing laps of the circuit which is what we did in many cases like one time it might be a five lap situation other time it might be an eight lap situation so obviously they did a really good job in changing the format in that way adding those stages on on saturday were out which were out in the mountains to try and make it a bit more like rally stages well i was pretty impressed with what they were able to come up with um again trying to get that length probably for um and uh, keeping that uh kind of more traditional feel i guess with part of it and uh talk about challenging conditions um uh that, that definitely felt a lot like monte carlo um with what they were dealing with up there in the mountains and uh so so when you guys did it, it was just all with the circuit you guys didn't do any of the the mountain stages then right no no it was all within the circuit yeah gotcha and we honestly had very similar conditions as far as the rain's concerned like visibility, it, it, visibility fog rain night stages so we still had those really tough conditions the year we did it like I don't think we got a dry stage from memory. I remember it was raining the whole time. So we understand what they were dealing with the other day. But like I said before, I don't remember us actually using gravel sections or anything like that. So at least when we were doing it, we were on the on the circuit at most times and, and on a good tarmac base. Whereas obviously the other day, what we saw on Saturday um, with the snow that come in on the mountain stages and the conditions they were dealing with, on the tires that were on were were a huge challenge um and as we saw it was stage 12 got cancelled due to you know the level of snow that was in there after stage 11 where there was obviously the accident of, of evans and and then um the other m sport r5 car that comes through and and spun after evans as well um what's that guy's name from Pomari. so you know obviously they then cancelled that next stage 12 i saw dan and um, Katsuta were sitting on the uh, on the um, start line, um, just waiting to go for ages, and then all of a sudden they cancelled the stage. So you know, then they got back to the service, and then stage 13 from memory was you know um, based around the circuit as well. So I think they did a really good job. You know, the rally was 16 stages long from memory and 250 kilometres or something like that. So. You know, yeah, a lot of people online I saw are saying it should never have been the last round of the WRC and Alpen shouldn't have lost that way and all these sort of things. Whereas, in my opinion, there'd hardly been any rallies ran throughout the year anyway. So for Monza to put that that rally on was a great thing, I think. Well, and I think even as Elvin said since the beginning, you know, it, you know, 
everybody's had the same opportunity. Um, this is the same opportunity and the same conditions kind of for everyone. It was just a mistake. It happens, especially in those tough conditions. I think what was, you know, the best thing that kind of happened out of that was seeing, you know, how Elfin got out of the car and quickly was slowing down um, any other car that was coming, including his own teammate that became world champion again. Um, and one of the few that uh, had a championship with three different manufacturers. I think he's, uh, what, the second or third person to do that. So that's pretty darn cool. But yeah, he was making sure that everybody, even his closest competitors, were getting through that section, which others had slipped right around there, um, even after he slowed them down. It was that dicey up there. So um, yeah, kudos Delvin. I, yeah, gutted for him at the same time. You know, when you're leading a championship and, and you're trying to do everything right. and But but he couldn't just hang back. Uh, you know, according to the stats, you know, he, if Ogier, who, you know, was leading, finished third, if you take out anything with the, uh, w with the power stage, Elvin had to be third or better or he wouldn't have won it, so, won the championship. So it wasn't going to be an easy one either way. He had to push. And uh, unfortunately... He just hit hit the wrong spot at the wrong time, and it happens, right? Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. It's situations like that with that level of pressure. I personally think it's always better to chase than to be chased mentally. And I mean, I, I, you yeah, like you just said a minute ago, you, you're fighting against a now seven times world champion. It's probably the best driver the sport has ever seen. You know, so. I mean, a couple couple of comments that Elfin made and made me think was like that. I think he said that when he went off, he wasn't just going a little bit over the limit. It was like way over the limit, so uh, of the speed that it should have been. So it just it just makes us realize how how freaky the change of grip was. And then I was reading something on the Dirtfish uh, webpage um, uh, or Twitter account today where. He said at the end, like, look, I have no regrets. You know, I did what, what I had to do and you know, that I made the mistake, but I have no regrets. You know, you got to you gotta admire someone with that state of mind. It's definitely, it's, he lost the championship, but Elfin last weekend and, and Scott, his co-driver, showed, man, what the right attitude of true sportsman is. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I am a huge fan. I am a huge, I was a fan before and, you know, we've been teammates in the past and everything, but I have so much respect for those two guys. And uh, uh, they, they truly are, I believe, the, the people's champions. Uh, I mean, Auger and, and Julian and Garcia might have won the championship, but it, this will always be remembered as, as Elfin Championship and Scott. Yeah. yeah, and for people who don't know that are listening, like, you know, with the rules that we have in rallying, we don't have to slow down that next competitor. What we have to do is, you know, show the okay sign to say that we're fine, put the triangles out. But at no point do the rules say that you need to physically slow them down to make sure they don't do what you just did. So, you know, yes, there was a manufacturer's title that Toyota was also trying to win. So, you know, it was important, regardless of the championship, as far as drivers are concerned, Alpha knew that Toyota was trying to win that 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 manufacturer's championship. So that was also important. But he, just the sportsmanship, he knew that, you know, if I don't slow down Ogier, who's the next car, he could end up where my car is. 
and then goes the whole manufacturer's championship and the driver's championship. So yes, in the end, Hyundai won the manufacturers, but imagine if Ogier had been where he was and, and something else happened and all of a sudden neither of the win the championship and Oit come through or something like that. You know, it just, there was so many things that played into that. And I, you know, like Alex said, we've both raced against Alpin for many years. I was lucky to race against him in 2012 in the juniors. And he's a great guy. He's always had the right attitude. And, and I think that he will be world champion one day just because of, the attitude that he has and, and the work ethic he has. And he's generally a very, very good driver. And and I also believe, like Alex said, that Ogier possibly, I think, is the best ever we've seen. There's only Kankinen, from what I know, that's won in three different cars before. And he's won four world titles. And, and obviously, Ogier's won seven in three different cars. To me, that's remarkable. You know, Loeb's won nine different championships, but it was always with Citroen. To think that someone's come along and won seven with, you know, we, he's obviously also driven the Citroen and, and um, we, we know that, but to win in three different cars to me is just remarkable. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, and, and not to hold anything against uh, OJ either. Um, I, I think, you know, he's also been known as to be a, a good sportsman too. Um, we all remember him uh, hoisting Oytanak on his shoulder uh, in Poland when, um, you know, that was the one that, that Tanak should have won. Right. And, uh, he ended up, uh, yeah. Uh, sh showing how he's one that's always tried to support all the drivers. Right. Um, yeah, sometimes he can be come off as being kind of, um, stern or whatever. He's got a job to do. Um, and he knows how to do it, but I think also he pushes, uh, uh, when it comes to like the rules and things like that stuff that I think would be better for all drivers, right? Because he's got that clout. He can push, I think, things that, that can benefit everybody maybe more than other drivers can. Yeah, for sure. I think that his French attitude sometimes can be taken the wrong way. You know, that's just the way it is. But I think that Alex is also, you know, I think you've been teammates with them as well, haven't you? And yeah. look, Ogier and Julian are both great guys. And, and they, as you saw at the end of the stage interview, Ogier was appreciative to Alpin of what happened because he said, I would be in the same spot. You know, he knew exactly that, you know, Alpin slowed him down and he still nearly went off. So he knew exactly what had happened that his teammate had got him through. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, what we witnessed on the weekend was something that, you know, we don't witness a huge amount in our sport anymore um, because, you know, if you're in that position and you're like, okay, I'm holding the okay, I've got my triangles out, that's what I have to do. And if you go off the same as me, well, so be it. Whereas what we witnessed with Alpin was something that, you know, will tr truly be remembered for many people in, in the sport. And like Alex said, you know, we really look up to him and Scott for what they did. Well, uh, I, I think it just also goes to show how, you know, the WRC, you know, with or without OGA in it is going to be so exciting. Um, there's so much talent there. It's, <clears throat> and, and yeah, Elvin's really just gone up another level. He's obviously bonded so well with the, uh, it, with the Toyota team. And uh, anytime he's been with <laughs> OGA too, I think uh, some of that's rubbed off on him. And uh, I think uh, 2021 is going to be really exciting. So with 2021 fast approaching, you know I'm going to ask this question. And so the question is, if you two were going to start a team of your own next year, who would be the driver and who would be the co-driver? 
who, who, out of you two, if you were gonna, if you were gonna go out, and one of you would have to be the driver, and one had to be the co-driver. Who would it be? Oh I, my I think we goodness! Would, we would do uh-huh. one stage each. You know, <laughs> was fun. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy reading the notes. Some people always ask me, "Wouldn't you want to drive?" And honestly, no, I don't want to drive. I enjoy doing reading the notes, being on the on the right side of the car or left side when I'm in Australia, New Zealand, or UK. Uh, so it's, it's something that, yeah, I guess Rhiannon can drive, I'll go drive. <laughs> I come from a family of drivers, so, so yeah. I guess they can, you know, I started off driving, not in rally, but in other forms, and then obviously took up co-driving, but that's, we, we've actually discussed this before, yeah. if it'd be cool to, like, rent an R1 for rally and maybe take in turns at driving or something like that, but in all I honesty, would love we to see that. really, <laughs> would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, <laughs> there could be some arguments um in all honesty because we both love co-driving i think it, you know at the end of the day and neither of us would want to make a mistake as a driver because we're such perfectionists and and ocd with everything we do that i think that it would actually be both of us be like oh no you drive this stage i'll just co-drive <laughs> <laughs> okay so can either of you tell us anything about 2021 uh, for reals or uh, will we see at least rallying next year? Oh, yeah, you'll see us both rallying. I guess right now, as you know, everything's going to be dependent on what happens with COVID. Like ARA National has nine rallies, which is incredible. Um, and ARA Regional is, I think, 10 rallies or something like that. And then obviously NASA events as well. So there's so many rallies scheduled here in America next year for 2021. And we, we hope that they're all able to run and we hope that COVID doesn't mean that we don't get a full championship next year. But um, obviously Alex and I plan to be out there as much as possible. We're talking with teams as we always are at this point of the year, you know, December's always our time when we're sorting deals. And then hopefully by January, we've got things set for, the next season. So as you know, the first rally will be uh, Snowdrift, which is in February this year rather than January. So um, yeah, we both aim, aim to be there at this point in time. We can't say anything for our plans because they obviously haven't been released and we're still talking with teams and deals and things like that. But um, yeah, 11 rallies for us each this year. Hopefully we get to do even more next year and continue doing what we both love, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely in the plans. You know, I, I like every year. I, I like to mix some international stuff. So if uh, just like I did this year, so if if uh, we are allowed to travel abroad, I, I would I would like to do you know a lot of rallies in North America. You know, we, we miss Canada this year. You know, we haven't been able to go to Canada, but they have some of the best events in the world. So hopefully, we can get back to Canada at some point next year because there is some organizers there that are eager to start their events again. CARS is either, you know, the Canadian Federation to, you know, to get going again with their rallying. They haven't done much this year. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, I mean, we watch the news, we hear about vaccines, you know, it, it'll be a long process, Mike, will it? And it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna take time, you know, and, uh, but hopefully eight or 10 or 12 months from now, we can all look back at these bad times we currently have in the US and, and and remember them as, as a bad memory. Well, I guess you don't get to travel to uh, Australia. Normally, this is another t thing that you do this off-season, right? You go down and see the family, but again, with lockdowns and stuff, you don't even get to do that, do you? No, usually we're in Australia by now where it's obviously hot in summer over there, and 
we get to enjoy usually four to five weeks over there and we train teams and have time with my family. Unfortunately, I haven't seen my family since January. So it's been actually very tough for me. I haven't met my niece that my brother had earlier in the year in May. So um, I just can't wait for things to open up because I really want to get back and see my family who I miss greatly and, and, you know, love rallying in Australia too and love rallying with my brother, which I, this is the first year I haven't done a race with him since my career started. So, you know, I just can't wow. wait for things to open up and see my family again and, and um, be able to get back to normal. Usually I go to Australia like five times a year. So it's been, uh, that's probably been the hardest thing for me, I guess, not being able to see them. But at the same time, hey, 11 rallies kept me busy and Oz Rally Pro and, and Alex and I are always there for each other. And so, you know, even though um, I don't have any family here in America, it, it's worked out great still because the rallying kept me busy and, and kept me you know focused on something and, and it's been a it's always a pleasure to talk to you chat with you about rallying we we follow the show uh we we listen to every episode and and thanks for doing such a good work mark uh, mike we love your work oh well thank you very much well well thank you too again for uh, taking the time to be with us and uh always appreciate all that you do and i look forward to seeing you at an event next year and uh you know got to see you finally at olympus my one and only rally i got to this year but uh, hopefully i'll get to a few more next year and uh excited to see you all out there thank you thank you all right take care bye-bye thank you for listening to the open paddock rally cast presented by oz rally pro and as the christmas shopping season rolls to an end please make sure to support small businesses whether that's with our friends over at Melee Design Firm or Nameless Performance or one of the countless uh, other rally teams that have uh, performance shops or whatever in your area. Uh, please make sure you support them if uh, those are things that you need or maybe a rallying experience with Team O'Neill or Dirtfish to share the rally love. Or maybe that co-driver in your life needs to see our friends over at Oz Rally Pro to up their game to the next level. Or at the very least, why not give our show a good rating on your preferred platform? That really helps us out a lot. Anyways, cheers, my friends, and happy holidays.